Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story, joining you this week. Yes, hey, guess what? You kind of had a twofer. We saw you just on Monday, and now it is Saturday, April 4th, 2020. We actually got it uh, out on time this time, so we are grateful to be with you. Thank you uh, for being with us. Thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, Most likely, like the rest of us, you're Well, you're still counting the quarantine days. You're still trying to figure out uh, when am I going to be, you know, off being grounded. (laughs) Basically, I think someone said earlier today that, oh, so this is uh, this is all those times I, you know, uh, I got grounded for all the things that I got away with when I was younger. I think that's kind of what it feels like for all of us right now. Uh, But we're grateful you're spending your time with us, grateful that you're listening and sharing this with others. So thank you for joining us. Rich, my brother, how are you feeling? Well, brother, I'm better than I deserve, regardless of what's going on in my life or the lives of everyone around the country. If we're in Christ, we're always better off than we deserve. But um, I, I will inter- throw this in, and it, I, find, I find it just a little bit amusing. Um, I've watched our governor's um, briefings. He, he's been doing one almost once a day. And I watched one, I think it was Friday, right before he issued our stay-at-home order for the state of Mississippi. And it just kind of dawned on me, only in Mississippi, during a briefing and press conference in regards to COVID-19, did the governor have to address the fact that on top of that, making preparations for now being flood season, tornado season, and hurricane season. And I'm thinking only in Mississippi during a COVID-19 briefing does the governor get asked a question and have to address how the state's preparing for floods, tornadoes, and hurricanes during a COVID-19 outbreak. (laughs) Oh, I tell you, brother, the, the, the dispensationalist in me, which I still kind of loosely hold to. I, I I know everybody in my camp is going. Oh wait, illness. Oh wait, earthquake. Oh wait, look, governmental crash. Oh wait, look, economy crashing. And now in Mississippi, if you're a dispensationalist, oh heaven help you. Uh, <laughs> it's just it, it really does sometimes feel like that crazy <laughs> guy on the street corner with the end of the world sign and the ringing the bell sometimes isn't wrong. <laughs> Other than the COVID-19, for us, it's just typical April, but, you know, um, it's just, I don't know, something about that, not necessarily funny, laugh out loud, ha-ha, just, you know, here he is talking about COVID-19 and having to address by reporters who were asking him how the state's preparing for all of this in the midst of COVID-19, and the governor had a really great response to the fact that, well, living in Mississippi... You know, we kind of live from year to year prepared for natural disasters. Yep. And honestly, because of what Mississippi has gone through for the last 15 or 20 years when it comes to tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, and everything else, it has actually helped better prepare and equip our state's government for the COVID-19 outbreak because because of the, the... MEMA, which is the Mississippi's version of FEMA, you know, Emergency Management Association, because of that, they already have multiple 
areas and, and staging areas already in place because of all of these natural disasters in the past. And my point in saying all of this is, you know, back during when Hurricane Katrina hit and, you know, the massive tornado outbreaks back in 2011, the state government had no way of knowing that the Lord was actually using that to help them prepare for a pandemic outbreak now in 2020. Yeah. I, you know, I, we just, the, the point of my story is, you know, even though we're going through a disaster now, you never know how the Lord is using that to prepare you or your state government for something even worse down the road. Amen. Amen to that. And, and Jim, lest anybody um, cr- uh, criticizes for seeming to be a little bit flippant, we're not trying to be. Um, I think I think sometimes when you're facing what seems to be just an insane time, the the natural reaction is to to try to find some kind of humor to keep you from losing your marbles. Um, just just for and we're not going to make this episode about COVID-19, but just for those who felt like maybe we were being a little too flippant, we do recognize that since Monday, we've had a massive upspike. And, you know, I, I you know, went back and listened to our program, which I don't normally like to do because I hate to hear myself talk um, on radio. Both. Yeah, it's, it's kind of I don't cre- like to hear you talk either. <laughs> a smart man. <laughs> we just got to convince the rest of the listeners probably, probably not they don't want to listen to me either. <laughs> I couldn't, re- I couldn't resist. That one was too good. But um, all kidding aside, I agree with you. I despise listening to myself. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. And, and I only did that for the sake of, I wanted to make sure what we said was on Monday's program was not too one-sided. I, you know, I was, I was afraid maybe we had been, I, I feel like we tried to be balanced, but I wanted to make sure we weren't. But I, I mean, it's been a massive uptake since mo- just Monday and here it is Saturday, less than a week. And uh, the c- total confirmed in the United States, 311,544. And I think on the program I said 3,000 deaths. Well, according to this, it's now 8,488. And I know some of you who are conspiracy theorists or uber concerned about power grabs by government feel that some of that may be inflated because of over-reporting by states looking for federal dollars, and that might be the case. Not going to discount that possibility at all. Uh, but I would say that's probably going to be on the lower number than, you know, it's it's only going to push it up so far. The reality is people are dying and, you know, over almost 8,500 people in America have died as a result of COVID-19 or related uh, issues because of it. You know, maybe the heart failure, for example, because the system was taxed. And so they had COVID-19 complications, I think is how they put it uh, in the case of country artist Joe Diffie. Uh, that was how they they reported it. So, you you can have illnesses that lead to death because the body shuts down in some other ma- manner, and it was because the body couldn't fight the illness and deal with their health complications at the same time. So, um, so anyway, just so you understand, we are very aware it's a serious topic, and so uh, please don't mistake don't mistake our our subtle jabs at humor, or maybe less than subtle jabs at humor, uh, as being. Uh, flippant i certainly don't want to do that although i do think rich um the one thing that has been rather and this is going to sound so contradictory now uh, the one thing that has been interesting in all of this has been to watch people's reaction to covid19 either through the memes that are posted the stories that come out or 
Well, in the case of some of the ones you've told me, some very interesting home remedies to <laughs> dealing with COVID-19. So maybe we should put this to our, our, our listeners. Uh, w- would you like to hear a show where we talk about some of our, our favorite uh, <laughs> reactions to this illness and how the, uh, how the community at large is, is handling this and maybe just trying to keep some sanity by at least poking fun at some of this stuff? Uh, although, I, like I said, that may come off as a being a bit a bit uh, contradictory given what I just said. So we'll leave it to you. If you, if you would like to hear us talk about some of the, some of our favorite stories that have come out of that, uh, go ahead and email us at voice of reason radio at gmail.com, or you can reach Rich or I on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I know a lot of you know where to find us there. If you'd like to hear some of the stuff we find interesting in all of this, uh, would, would love to hear from you, but rich, I do have to share at least one because it came up, as I was talking to you on Facebook, and I got to say, the man that that came up with this idea must be just—he's a—he's a true hero. He's really a true hero. So, from TrendingViews.co, replete with video and everything, we'll share this. The story reads: Man sends friend roll of toilet paper. Across town via drone. <laughs> I am not kidding. You can actually see the video uh, from the actual original Twitter post. This individual in San Francisco needed TP. Nobody had it, obviously, because there's some crazy hoarders out there. And his buddy took, I, I thought it was a strap at first, but it looks like painter's tape because it. He, pulls on the roll and it breaks easily so he kind of like a double-sided some painter's tape made a strap out of it attached it to his drone flew it across town as this roll of toilet paper is dangling from this painter's tape and he flew it from wherever he was to this guy on the balcony of his you know apartment and he pulls the roll of toilet paper off the off the tape and off the drone goes back to wherever it came from um this guy is a hero in every sense of the word to to has to put his drone which is not cheap at uh, risk of just you know being wrecked and possibly even shot down because well it is san francisco maybe they would throw rocks at it um no i'm sure there's no guns in san francisco uh but being attacked and stolen (laughs) but they actually flew this guy in who was in desperate need toilet paper via his drone so uh to the individual who did that you are a hero and you get a big gold star from us here at voice of reason radio (laughs) that is very innovative i mean that's i guess there's when things like this happen there's always some unique and interesting ideas (laughs) to develop amen Um, what was the what is what's those saying um necessity is the mother of all of all invention yeah and this guy was indefinite, had definite necessity. So <laughs> I'm sure now, once once everything, once this is over and everything calms down, because of that post, someone will get the idea of trying to roll someone's yard or house <laughs> using a drone with a with a spool on it, just to you know fly the drone around and around and around the house or the 
<laughs> tree or whatever. Although in Mississippi, if they thought they saw the drone flying over, they would just think it was a mosquito and probably try to throw a rock at it or something. Well, it depends on what part. If they're getting that moonshine going, they might think it's a UFO too. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, we need, we need to be serious. But I wanted to share that one because that one just cracked me up, and and I will put the show put that in the show notes. I'll put it under like weird news or something like that. But that guy's a hero. I mean. <laughs> to actually have gone to the trouble of constructing this. I mean, he didn't, he, he even, he even stuck with the stay at home order. You know, he's like, I can't leave. I'm too far away. I know I'll fly it. to <laughs> That that's ingenious. So I got to give the guy props for that. So, all right. All right. We did promise you this would be a COVID free episode and we kind of broke that already, but <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't want to um we didn't want to do another show that was simply um you know just a rehashing of what's been said and, and it's it's I know it's actually a bit overwhelming to constantly hear it because it's well honestly we're on information overload. So what I wanted to do and I was talking to Rich about it I'm going to give you a story here real quick and it's going to seem like I'm being critical of someone I don't mean to be um, but I will say that despite the method in which the person approached, <laughs> approached me on Twitter with this, um, he, he is right about one part of it. And I, and I, I want to focus on that and maybe make that what we challenge you to do this week. So here's what happened. Uh, I go to community Bible church arena and like everybody else, we have stay at home orders. Our pastors seeking to honor uh, Romans 13, trying to protect the congregation and so forth. We don't have live stream capability for our church, and they're trying to find different ways to teach the church, and, and, and they've been doing some great jobs with that. One of the things that they did that I thought was fantastic was when you can't be in church and you can't talk to your pastors, they can't encourage you the way that you get when you're there and they have that message for you that comes from the word of God and they can't speak to you directly. And so sometimes it's, it, you, you don't get that personal connection that only being at church can be, have. So one of our pastors prepared a, a short message and he put it up on sermon audio as a video put out in the email. You listen to the, you go to the link, watch the video, listen to the message. It was a fantastic, encouraging message. Really loved it. In fact, I myself felt it would bless others. So I put it out on Facebook and Twitter. Um, oddly enough, an individual responded. Now, mind you, this was a message for the church, for people who are Christians. Oddly enough, an individual responded with a, well, we, or we could just share the gospel. Well, he shared this on Twitter to me, and I went, wait a minute, what? What about my pastor's message, which was an, a message of encouragement to a bro Christian brethren in a time of chaos? What would give anybody the impression that he was discouraging people from sharing the gospel? So that was my response. I'm like, well, what about the message is indicating that that's not what he's telling and wants people to do? Well, the individual's response was to say that, you know, he's trying to tell everybody that right now we just need to be putting messages all over the internet because people are scared and that we need to have the gospel up everywhere. And that's what we need to spend our time doing. Now, mind you, what this individual is essentially saying is you don't need to do any of that other stuff. 
We don't have time for that. It should all be gospel 24-7. And mind you, when he says gospel, he's talking about, you know, basically a good person test. Here's how you get saved, etc. Because my, you know, encouragement is a, for the Christian brethren, that is a gospel issue. I can't be encouraged if I'm not in the faith. And I can be encouraged if I am in the faith because my pastor, who's been equipped by the Holy Spirit because he's saved, because he's relied upon Jesus Christ, and now he's equipped and trained up and he's doing the work of a pastor and teacher, one of the jobs he has is to encourage the flock. So it is gospel-related. It's all part of it. But he's basically saying gospel presentations only. So I repeated my question. I said, okay, again, I get your point. Why is this, what makes you think that this message is discouraging that in any way? Can we not do both of these things? In other words, can we not share the gospel? Can we not be also be about encouraging our brethren? And I think both are necessary. And his only response was, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I actually quote that. that was, that's all he said. Now, like, I hope, like me, you guys are going, huh? It, it's not a fruitful conversation at this point. The, the only thing he wanted to do was critique me and my church for not making a video that was a gospel presentation. I checked his Twitter page. He was doing this to every person that had a video up of any kind that wasn't a gospel presentation. Now, I find that oddly hypocritical that he's spending all his time criticizing people for not sharing the gospel. And at least from the scrolling that I did, I wasn't seeing a gospel presentation from him. So uh, a little bit on the hypocritical side. And I, I put an end to the conversation because I, I could see where this person was basically felt his job was to be the corrector of the brethren. And I, when it comes to the internet, I don't have time for you if that's how you're going to be. If you're not going to enter into a fruitful conversation, if you want to come to me and say, I appreciate what you're saying, however, could you not be spending more time sharing the gospel? Hey, that's a fruitful conversation. Let's get into that. If you want to just slam me, slam my pastor, and slam every Christian uh, preacher out there for not having a gospel uh, presentation video up instead of something else, um, I don't have time for you. I'm, I'm just not going to do that. I, I don't see that as being very fruitful. However, I will say his motivation, I believe, is I think it's entirely a good one. I think he's right in this respect. We are at a time, it, we've spent two programs talking about it, where our culture and the world at large is in a state of panic. Now, we can talk about the reasons why. Talk about government overreach, valid discussion. Talk about the media and its uh, intention to hype everything up for ratings, valid discussion. Uh, we can talk about, uh, you know, people who are hoarding. when they. You know, there's all kinds of discussions about why people are scared. And I think those are legitimate discussions. However, the truth of the matter is, no matter why, they're scared. Why are they scared? Well, because of this new illness that's a pandemic. It's around the world. 1.2 million infections when I looked at it earlier. Um, and in America alone, almost 8,500 de deaths related to it. Of course people are scared. Well, who wouldn't be in their, who in their right mind wouldn't be when all you hear 24-7 is a discussion of, about this illness that spreads like wildfire and can kill people. Well, of course people are scared. So... Why is that important for us in this topic of the gospel? Uh, 
well, what hope do we have? Let, let's say this pandemic isn't hyped up. Let's say it's actually really bad. In fact, it might even, let's just throw it out there. Let's say it's even worse. And people are going to die as a result of this. What happens to the people that die? Well, if, a, if you're a Christian, you know what the answer is. If you are in Christ, you get to spend eternal life with God. If you are in Adam, or not in Christ, you spend eternity in eternal conscious torment in hell. And by the way, that's God's hell, so I'm not going to soften the blow by saying, well, it's hell is where God is not, and it, it's separation from God. In one sense, it is separation from God. It's separation from his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, joy, all of those things that come with being in Christ. But it is God's hell. And it is where God's justice and his wrath is poured out continually for eternity. So, in that respect, it isn't a separation from God. It is an eternal uh, presence with his justice, his wrath, etc. So, it's not a pleasant place. What can we as Christians do? There's so much we can do to help people in the here and now. We can provide for our neighbors. Maybe you are uh, able to go to the store and pick up, if you're lucky enough to find it, extra TP. Maybe it's milk. Maybe it's water. Maybe it's some extra groceries for your neighbor who's elderly and can't get out. Now, hopefully you're putting it at their front door and not going inside. But maybe you can do something like that for them. Maybe you work in an essential industry. Maybe you're a truck driver, a medical provider, uh, and you're working the front lines in a sense to continue to provide for people then by all means, you know, these are wonderful things as a Christian you can do in the here and now. And we are grateful for all of you. If you are someone who is a first responder that still hack is truly essential and you have to be out there on the streets, we are grateful for you. And maybe that's what you're able to do. Maybe you're doing those things in the here and now. So those are things that we can do in addition to staying home and, and, and not getting out and, and you know being the cause of spreading the virus further. Those are temporal things that we can do, but what's the greatest gift that we can give to people who fear what will happen if they get sick? What is the greatest gift? Rich, what is the greatest gift that we can give anyone who's fearing the possibility of dying in this world because of this disease? Well, of course, the answer is the gospel and sharing the gospel with them, uh, I've noticed, especially over the last couple of weeks, it, it's kind of odd. Um, I've seen some brothers and sisters, their Twitter and Facebook feeds are no different than, say, what they were three, four months ago. Um, sadly, a lot of them spend more time fussing and fighting and debating this issue or that issue, and rarely do you, do have I ever seen this particular person or persons share the gospel or share a link to a gospel or share a photo of a gospel tract. But on the same token, I've seen some brothers and sisters start sharing it and, and posting more gospel presentations, more gospel photo tracks. And I know that I'm not going to give any names, but there are two or three individuals that I, that I know on Facebook, and I would consider an actual friend and a brother and sister, 
that have shared gospel track links and shared photos of gospel tracks. And I would think, based on knowing them, it's the first time they've ever done that. I would say that they they are very reclusive, shy type individuals, but yet I've seen them doing this. And like I said, I suspect it's for the first time. And that has been so encouraging. Um, this is the perfect opportunity, not that, that any other time is not opportune, but right now people are thinking about death. They're thinking about sickness, illness. You know, it's constantly in the news. And right now there's, there's that during my lifetime on a national scale is a transition been any easier than it is right now because all you have to do is ask someone their thoughts on COVID-19 and you've got a perfect segue into a gospel presentation, whether it be, you know, in a phone conversation or texting back and forth or just sharing a gospel message online. And I'm so, so thankful to see more brothers and sisters being actively sharing it online. And at the same time, saddened by the lack of some others not sharing it online and getting kind of referring back to what you were talking about with your interaction with that individual. Um, I, I, I think their motivation, their motives may have been sincere. Um, the fact that you never found where they actually shared it is troublesome. But one thing right now, more than ever, if you are a Christian ministry, um, a Christian blogger, or even a church, I would encourage you now more than ever to make sure that whatever your online presence is, that you have a good, solid gospel presentation on your site and have it where it is easily found and you don't have to click through seven different links to get to it. Amen. And use it. Share it. You know, even if you only share that link or mention it once a day, but do it. Do something to be getting the gospel message to the world. And we, we will never know this side of heaven what impact that one share might have. But speaking from experience, even if it does not reach somebody, if the Lord does not use that gospel presentation you post to save someone, he may still use it to encourage another brother or sister that may be struggling or, or you know, kind of not hesitant, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe they've never really shared the gospel online. By seeing you share it, the Lord may be using you to encourage someone else to share it. The Lord may be using your share, where you've shared it, may be using it to encourage someone that's been discouraged because they have been actively sharing the gospel, and now all of a sudden he or she is seeing others share it. That is a huge encouragement for a Christian to see brothers and sisters sharing the gospel. And guess what? It's going to make them want to be sharing it more themselves. And like I said, right now, more than ever, well, I don't know if I necessarily can say more than ever, but right now, you know, we need to be actively sharing the gospel. And what you mentioned, brother, is terrific. You know, I've seen 
you know, where churches have organized meal deliveries for shut-ins or for elderly people or people that are at risk that can't really in, be getting out and going to the grocery store. I've seen where churches have a few individuals that are actually doing the grocery shopping for certain individuals in their church. I've seen church groups, especially with some of the older ladies that are really good at sewing. They're pitching in and coming together, sewing reusable masks for local hospitals and local doctor's offices and clinics. I'm seeing a lot of that happen, but sadly, when it comes to those temporal comforts and, and jumping in and lending a hand to help one another, um, and, and I've had some interactions with, with two or three of these groups, they're doing this, but they're not including a gospel tract. They're not including a gospel message in what they're giving and sending and, and supplying these people in need. And as great as it is that they're doing this to help people around them, they're not utilizing a very, very, very great time to include a gospel message in their gift packs or, or, or you know, whatever service they're trying to provide to those around them. And it saddens me to have recently been told that, well, right now people are scared, you know, they're needing food, they're needing this. The last thing they need is to be told that if they die without Christ, they're going to hell. They need to be, they need to be comforted. But I have to go back to something our friend Tony Miano said years ago. Well, you know, they may be fed, they may be warm, they may be comfort, comforted, but if they died without Christ, they're going to be spending an eternity in hell. And what's better, a momentary amount of comfort now or to receive Jesus Christ and spend an eternity in heaven? I mean, if, if, you're, if you're doing these, for lack of a better word, if you're doing these good works, that's great, that's tremendous. We need that. That is one of the duties that the church should be getting involved with um and i can bring scripture to this if if you so desire but the bible teaches us that we are to take care of our own first meaning a church first duty is to its own members and if it's if it's done everything it can to help its own members then start reaching out to other areas yeah and in a situation right now that's, you know, going on, we'll just say nationally in the United States, if each church would get involved with their local community and, and do whatever it is that they could do to be helping and include a gospel presentation, the church right now could literally reach every person in this country. And yes, far as a pastor trying to provide words of comfort and encouragement to his congregation right now, yes, that is vital. They need it. The, the even, you know, as Christians, we're still human. We're, we're still being sanctified at different rates and different speeds day to day. We, we are to encourage one another. We are to try to help one another. And, you know, a pastor posting a word of encouragement, that's terrific, that's great. And if he's preaching to his congregation, 
you know, and and doing this for his congregation, he may not necessarily need to be preaching the gospel message every time he does that because hopefully prior to all this, he has already shared the gospel with his congregation that those sitting under him are truly saved and truly Christian. And I know we could get into a long drawn out debate about American evangelicalism and, you know, there, there's buildings across the country that have a quote unquote pastor and filled pews and, and you might be hard pressed to find a true true convert within that, but that's not what I'm speaking of. Mm -hmm. I'm talking true brothers and sisters in Christ, because not only are we to share the gospel, we're to be there for one another and support one another during times of hardship. As the Bible says, there's a time and a season for everything, and we just need to remember that. Amen. Amen. I I think that's the, the key to all this is that we need, you know, I, I agree with you. Number one, it's very sad to hear someone say, "Well, what they need is temporal things; they don't need the gospel." Um, that's very tragic to hear because you can do both. You really can do both, and the gospel can pre- be presented in a very compassionate manner. It doesn't have to be. In fact, it never really should be a beating about the head and neck with the Bible. Um, you know, Ray Comfort, you know, has said. You know, we don't need to make fear-filled converts. In other words, people to just run to God because they're just afraid. He, you know, that we should make tear-filled converts. People who are in tears over the grace and the kindness and the mercy and the love of a God who would forgive their sins because he sent his son to die for them. Um, there is a time and a place in which different tones and different manners in which the gospel is preached can be necessary. By all means, there is always a time and a place where a Paul Washer can be, you know, speaking firmly, authoritatively, with intense desire and passion. And there can be times when you are just gentle and uh, and and simple in your presentation, and and still communicate the truth of the gospel. I want to share something that, as I was studying Scripture this week, was what prompted me. Um, most times we think about the Gospel, we're thinking about presenting it from the New Testament. And this came from the book of Isaiah, and I think most of you know this passage. It's Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 18. And Isaiah is a prophet to the southern kingdom of, of Judah. Uh, he's speaking to them at a time when you know he he was a a prophet during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah. He spoke for many many years to the people of is uh, of Judah, and he speaks for God, speaking regarding their sin, regarding coming judgment, regarding their means of uh, being made right with God. And in the first chapter, he says. Speaking for the Lord, he says, "Come now, let us reason together," says the Lord. Though your skin, excuse me, your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, mind you, we know that. Isaiah is writing to the Israelites. He's writing at, uh, to them at a time when the kingdom has been, uh, has been split. 
when in the northern kingdoms it was nothing but bad kings, in the southern kingdoms there were a handful of good kings. Yet during this time, the people of Israel were routinely chasing after false uh, prophets, false gods, idols, and everything else. And they were in, routinely in judgment in form of uh, imprisonment and enslaved by other nations. So we know that his promise in regard to this and about eating from the good of the land and uh, you know living in peace or being eaten up by the sword if they are in rebellion, we know that these are specific promises to specific people at a specific time. But this is a picture of the gospel. God is telling his people, his chosen people, their sins are as scarlet. It's this, this blood red mark that indicates they are in rebellion against God. That they are facing his judgment. Now, does that not start off sounding like exactly how we understand the gospel? We, before we ever enter into uh, this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are wretched and vile sinners. See, we don't just sin. We don't, we're not sinners because we sin. We're born into sin. We, we have a sin nature. Scripture tells us that's very clear. We are sinful by nature. And what is the outpouring is the product of that sin nature. What we say, what we do, how we think is a product of that sinful nature. So down to our very core, we are sinful. You go to Romans 3 when Paul says, look, there's none good. There's none righteous. Not one. None seek after God. Their, their lips are full of poison. That's describing who we are. He's writing to the Roman church. He's saying, there's not one person who's good. How do we know that? We go to the word of God. Go back and examine your own, your, your own self against what God's word says. Just, just look at the law. Now, I know there's a lot of debate as to, to how we understand the law versus, you know, in its moral context versus its civil and its ceremonial context. But look at the moral law of God. You know, God says not to worship any God but Him. Now, that's, that's a commandment Israel broke constantly. They were constantly chasing after Baals and Ashtoreths and the false uh, gods of the nations around them. Now, we don't have temples to Aphrodite today. Well, maybe some people do, but uh, the thing is, is we don't have that mass worship of the Greek gods. We don't have Babylonian gods or uh, Assyrian gods that we're chasing after. But we certainly are guilty of forming a god of our own design in our own mind. Any god that tells you you can live however you choose, that you can do, as long as you're true to your heart, which is a vile sin factory, but as long as you're true to your heart, God is okay with that. If you've created that God in your mind, that's not the God of Scripture. That's a false God. He says that we're not to steal, not to take anything that doesn't belong to us. Well, that's easily, you know, most of us can go, well, I've never stolen anything until we stop to think about, well, I did show up to work late multiple occasions and claimed a full eight-hour day or a full 12-hour day. 
um, you know, I, I stole time from my boss. I stole a paycheck by not doing my job. Uh, you know, there's, you know, I, I downloaded that video. I, I think it's not fair that, you know, I have to pay so much for a lousy movie. I, I can pirate those videos. That's nobody's getting hurt by that. We all still have stolen in some way, but take it one step further. Christ said that that even the sins of the heart would condemn us. He said that to to, to lust, to look at someone who was not your spouse with sexual desire was sin. It was it is to be judged in the same manner as if you'd actually committed the act. Now, mind you, actually committing the act is an even greater sin and comes with greater judgment. So don't think that just because you've uh, lusted, it's okay to commit adultery. That to have unjust anger, well, you're facing the same God of wrath who looks at having unjust anger on the heart as, as the same as being someone who desires to commit murder and let's go back to the theft thing okay i mean maybe you didn't take something but if you ever looked at something that you didn't have that someone else had and boy that's just that i want that you know they've got enough things i want that or maybe i can manipulate someone into to getting me that or or maybe i can you know kind of play games with my finances and put myself into debt to get that. Covetousness is a sin. See, God's law isn't just a system of do's and don'ts. God's law is a reflection of himself. He is goodness. He is righteousness. He is truth. Every time we do think or say something that's contradictory to God's law, we're actually living or thinking or saying or doing something that is contradictory to God himself. God didn't come up with a list of do's and don'ts because he was bored one day. If you really want to learn something about the attributes of God, I really encourage you to uh, read, uh, I think it's None Greater by Matthew Barrett. Now, that's not a, it's not a light book. You're, not, you're going to take some time reading it. But he talks about this attribute, that God is his attributes. He, he doesn't just exude attributes. He didn't just come up with attributes. He, uh, he doesn't do something that is good. He is goodness. So when we lie, well, God is truth. He is truth. He, he doesn't tell the truth. He is truth. So we're actually in rebellion to the very nature of God. When we take something, well, God is our provider. He is, he is the provider of all things. He's the creator of all things. These are things that he is. So we're rebelling against who he is. Maybe that puts a finer pin, uh, pin on it. You are actually, when you lie, cheat, steal, lust, covet, or create a God in your own image, you're actually rebelling against the very nature of the God who created you, gave you life, gave you breath, gave you a world to live in, gave you a family, gave you a job. And, oh, if you, you know, I got that job because of my skills. How did you get your skills? Well, I went to school. How did you get the opportunity? You know, God gave you those abilities. He gave you those skills. He made those things happen because he's a sovereign God in control of all things. And yet you show no gratitude. When he says, your sins are as scarlet to the people of Israel. It's, this, this is something that is applicable to all mankind. We are stained with the crimson red mark of sin. Yet, he says, they shall be as white 
as snow. Now, how on earth can you get a red stain? And anybody who's done laundry knows that red stains are some of the worst in the world to try and deal with. How do you get it as white as snow? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> See, God tells the people of Israel, judgment is reserved for those who rebel against him. Yet, in a picture of the gospel, he says, if you're willing and, and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, how can we become willing and obedient? We're sinners by nature. I can't obey God of my own free will. I'm still going to do these things. There's one way we can't. And that is the way that God made for us in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ is God. He is all those attributes we talked about. He is all those good things that we rebel against. Yet in his goodness, in his kindness, in his mercy, Jesus Christ came down and took on humanity. Now, lest anybody be confused, I'm not saying God the Father and God the Son are the same person. They are not. There are three persons and yet one God. It's a mystery that is nothing in this world can be alluded to without trying to use as some sort of allegory without being heretical. It is the mystery of the Trinity, the triune Godhead. Yet Christ, the second person of the Trinity, came down and took on humanity, never surrendering his godhood, never giving up his attributes, yet taking on humanity, becoming fully God and fully man. And in his humanity, or I should say, lest that sound, ter uh, sound like it's coming across wrong, while he is here in this world as God and man, let me say it that way, completely obedient to the law of God in every way, thought, word, and deed. Obeyed everything from the moment of his birth to the day he was laid in the tomb. Never once sinning against the Father, he came to do the will of his Father and fulfill the law in every way. Kept all the feasts, kept all the laws, said the things that he should say, thought the things that he should do, did everything that the law required and more. Why? So that he could be our representative. He could stand before God guiltless, where we are nothing but guilt. He stands before God guiltless in every way. And yet, stands there in our place. Well, how does that help you? Quite simply this. When Christ went to the cross, he went voluntarily. He could not be put on the cross if he didn't want to go. He is God incarnate. As he told Peter, I could call 12 legions of angels. Put away your sword. What are you thinking? He could have stopped it all. He could have wiped out the entire Roman army. He could have wiped out Pontius Pilate, the Sanhedrin, all those who had come against him. But he willingly, willingly allowed himself to be arrested and to be put on not one but two illegal trials in which no guilt could be found and the Jewish leadership compelled him to testify against himself in a legal act used his own statement that he was the Messiah to condemn him. And because they could not crucify him themselves, 
They took him before the Roman governor, lied to the Roman governor, nearly started a riot in front of the Roman governor in order to have him put to death. Could Christ at any time have been set free? Yes, even Pilate knew that he was guiltless. Yet Christ, according to God's plan and design, a guiltless man stood in the gap for you and I where he went to the cross and endured the full wrath of his father for sin. All sin, that all persons who have sinned and would repent and put their faith in him, he endured at the cross. That wrath, that justifiable wrath that every one of us deserves poured out on him in our place. The guiltless one in place of the guilty. And, and probably the greatest picture of that, right before his crucifixion, Pontius Pilate takes a guilty man, a murderer, a man guilty of insurrection, deserving of death, puts him up there and says, how about I let him go or I let Jesus go? Thinking that, no, we don't want the murderer let free, and they send Jesus to the cross. The guilty set free, the guiltless crucified. All the wrath of God poured out upon him crucified, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again, defeating sin and death. Now, how do you become white as snow? How does the guiltless one, the perfect son, the perfect God-man who died for sinners, how does how on earth can I possibly be made white as snow because of this? Simply this. God tells the Israelites, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What does that mean for us? If we turn to Christ, we look at our lives and we go, I am like the Israelites. I have been disobedient. I have rebelled. I, my sins are as scarlet. They are as red like crimson. And I stand guilty before God. Yet I turn in repentance. I turn away from that life of sin. And I look to Christ. And I put my faith completely in his completed work. And I trust in what he's done for me. Then what the Bible tells us is that the great exchange then happens. Christ has taken on the penalty for my sin. I receive his guiltlessness, his righteousness, his perfection. So not only has he punished in my place, not only is my bank, spiritual bank account gone from infinitely in debt to zero, now it's infinitely in, in, the, in the black where I have this amazing amount of spiritual credit, so to speak, where it can never end because his account is put on mine. And I stand before God guiltless because he sees the righteousness of Christ on me and on you and on Rich. And every Christian from, to, from the beginning of time to the end of time Every person who puts their faith and trust completely in Christ, he sees them as guiltless, as the guiltless lamb. Because his righteousness is imputed to us. So, he tells Israel, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. If we are willing, if we turn from our sin, if we put our faith in Christ, we shall eternally live with him. Yet this great gift stands before us if we refuse it 
if we rebel against it, if we say, no, I don't want your God, I don't want your salvation, I don't want this, then we will be eaten by the sword, which means eternity in hell. That is the gospel message that right now, as the world stands, looking at this fearful illness, scared that they could step out of eternity, they have this amazing promise that if they would but trust in Christ and his completed work, if they would turn from their sin, they will eternally live with Christ. That is the gift that we get to share. And like this one individual, despite his less than oh, less than stellar method of sharing it on Twitter, He's correct. We have the ability. Now more than ever, we can reach all around the world in a matter of seconds to share the gospel message with a scared people who fear death. How amazing is this opportunity? Rich, you just said it. We have this opportunity. There's never a bad time to share the gospel. But this is such an opportunity for the church. Brother, I, I think you're absolutely right. We can do all the amazing things to help people here and now, but never should we ever not think that, or should we should we ever think, oh no, this is a bad time to share the gospel. What an amazing gift we can give people, right? Oh, absolutely, brother. Um, to add to what you were saying, and I would encourage everyone to please rewind, listen to what Chris said, and keep in mind. <clears throat> excuse me. And keep in mind that if you think your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds and you can earn or work your way to heaven, remember this. If you truly think that or if you lean towards that way of thinking, if you think you can work your way to heaven, if you think that you can do good deeds and do good works and earn your way to heaven, then Christ died and was resurrected for nothing because if being able to work and earn your way to heaven was something that God put in place that you could accomplish yourself. Christ died for nothing. The Bible says as much. It is by grace for God, through God, in God, always. Your salvation is to the glory of Christ not for your own. And when the day comes, and it, it's not a matter of if, but when you stand before God on Judgment Day, you will drop to your knees. You will bow down to the God of gods. He is the one true God. You will bow down to him and be held accountable for all of your sins. No good works, no good deeds will help you. The only thing that will save you on that day is whether God looks at you and sees Christ or if God looks at you and sees you as you truly are. That's what it comes down to. And I know we're getting close on time, but I want to share a couple of brief things, a couple of brief quotes that I found that were spoken by C.H. Spurgeon that have applications to tonight's topic. <clears throat> Spurgeon says, 
Jesus is the truth. We believe in him, not merely in his words. He himself is doctor and doctrine, revealer and revelation, the illuminator and the light of men. He is exalted in every word of truth because he is its sum and substance. He sits above the gospel like a prince on his throne. Doctrine is most precious when we see it distilling from his lips and embodied in his person. Sermons and songs are valuable in proportion as they speak of him and point to him. A Christless gospel is no gospel, and a Christless discourse is the cause of merriment of devils. And one more short one. Avoid a sugared gospel as you would shun sugar of lead. Seek the gospel which rips up and tears and cuts and wounds and hacks and even kills, for that is the gospel that makes you alive again. And when you have found it, give good heed to it. Let it enter into your inmost being. As the rain soaks into the ground, so pray the Lord to let his gospel soak into your soul. And brothers and sisters, and if you're listening to this and you're not truly saved in Christ, remember this. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot do good deeds to get into heaven. But there is one thing you can do. You can drop to your knees and beg and plead and pray to Christ in tears to grant you the gift of salvation. And you can also do this for those around you. It's not enough to just simply hand someone a gospel tract. We need to beg and plead Christ to grant salvation to that individual. And I think when it comes to evangelism, that's the aspect of sharing the gospel that is sadly missed and forgotten more times than not. It's not a matter of just sharing the gospel. We need to have a heart for the gospel. We need to have a heart for that person that we're sharing with and be willing to drop to our needs knees and beg and plead and cry out to Christ to grant this person the gift of salvation. Amen. Amen. Folks, we hope this program today has been encouraging to you in a couple of ways. Number one, that it has encouraged you to take this time, as Rich put it, uh, and a wonderful opportunity to share with people there is hope. That we don't have to fear illness and death because we have this great God who will deliver us, even in death, to eternal life. I hope it has also encouraged you and reminded you of the amazing gift that you were given. See, at one point, you were one of these people. You feared death. You, you may not have admitted it, but you knew it was coming. It stalked you. It haunted you in the, in, the, in the privacy of your thoughts. And you knew there was something more. You may have tried to press it down and disregard it. And like Romans 1 says, you tried to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. But like everybody else, you knew death would come. And yet, because of Christ, someone shared the gospel with you. Maybe they took you to church and you heard it or it was a 
gospel presentation you heard. It was a, a tract. Maybe somebody gave you a Bible. Maybe in a time of fear and travail, you, you went to the Bible seeking answers. But somebody made that possible for you. They gave you this gift called the gospel. And now you have the promise of eternal life. If you got sick today and tomorrow you died, you have eternal life. And so we as Christians have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about because we know God is in control and his promises are true and sure and we will be delivered. So I encourage you, I know my brother Rich encourages you to just grasp tightly to Christ right now. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We know that economically our, our nation is struggling. We know, I know in my state, our, our governor just told the state agencies, and by the way, I work for a state agency, get ready for a big budget cut. <laughs> you know, So I, that, that's, a, that's a concern for me. Others, they haven't worked in weeks. You're trying to figure out how you're going to pay your bills. You're trying to worry about how you're going to feed your family. God's promises are sure and true. He knows your needs. And he knows how to provide for you. And if you are in him, he will find a way. But even if the worst should happen, you have this sure and true promise that you will spend eternity with the God who saved you. And so now, as we begin to end this show, my brother Rich always says, find a way to share the gospel with somebody once a day. That is your assignment this week. Find someone to share the gospel with. You can go to the slavetothekingcom website if you don't know what to say. We have a gospel presentation there. And that's a simple one. There are much better. I'm not telling you you have to use ours. But if you just want a resource, there's one there. It's slavetothekingcom slash gospel. If you are someone who has heard this for the first time, we pray for you that you would Repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian who has never been told you have a duty to share the gospel, let me be the one to tell you you have a duty to share the gospel. We have been told by our Savior to go forth and make disciples of every nation. To preach the gospel everywhere. And that wasn't just a, a, a duty given just to the apostles. It was through the church throughout all of time. And you have an opportunity right in front of you when the whole world is looking for answers. So that is your job this week. Find someone to share the gospel with because they're out there and they're looking right now. And they need to hear it. And there is comfort and there is joy in the gospel. Rich, any last thoughts before we let him go? Well, just reiterating what you said, um, make it a point to share the gospel at least once a day. And right now, I know everyone, unless you're an essential worker, 
you know, and not go- going out, but utilize online resources. Like Chris said, we have a gospel presentation. Um, you can share that. You can use that as a outline to create your own gospel presentation, put it on your own website or blog or whatever, um, but make it a point to be sharing the gospel at least once a day. And um, Chris, I, I have the link. I'll shoot it over to you, but there's a great resource that you need to be utilizing by Bezoin Track Club. They have a page that has probably 20 or so gospel tracks that are not only physical tracks, but these have been formatted to where you can download it and share them online. I would encourage you to go to their website, download some of the tracks, and make it a point to start sharing one once a day. And just keep continuing in your faith, and don't be shaken by the times that we're living in. If you are already a true Christian, go to the Bible, read and read and read and study. Because no no matter how many times you've read the same book of the Bible, every time you go back through it, you will learn something new and different. And I would like to add this in closing. Not only are we commanded to share the gospel, we're giving, God gives us one of the greatest blessings outside of salvation we will ever have on this earth. We're given and blessed with the task of sharing the gospel. God could very easily send angels to share the gospel with people all over the world. But go to the book of Acts. God sent an angel to have someone send for Peter to come and share the gospel with them. The angel didn't come share the gospel, but the angel came to direct someone else to seek out Peter for Peter to share the gospel with them. And just keep that in mind. Not only is it a huge responsibility, we are commanded to it, but it is also an extreme, extreme blessing that God gives to us as Christians is to share the words of eternal life with a very, very sin-filled, hell-bound individual that is lost and under the deception of Satan because there are so many people living in deception right now. They think they're saved because, you know, they recited a prayer or walked an aisle or someone told them they were saved. But keep in mind what in the book of Matthew it says, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy and cast out demons in your name? And Lord will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That is the most as a Christian, that should be the most terrifying thing for you is the thought of standing before Christ on the day of judgment and being told, "Depart from me, I never knew you." And in today's world, we see and hear a lot of postings, and I know it gets into a lot of semantics about accepting Christ or receiving Christ. But we need to truly examine our hearts to see if we're in the faith as the Bible commands us to do. Because it's not enough to just say that you follow Christ. It's not enough to just follow Christ. What matters is, are you known by Christ? And if so, how are you known? Amen. And it's not through your works. It's not through your good deeds. 
it's through his sacrificial blood that we're made clean and our sin is as white as snow as my brother chris pointed out from isaiah amen amen well folks i hope this has encouraged you and i hope it has challenged you and now as we say every week god bless good night and we'll see you next time